0: Welcome to Build to Lead, forming the healthcare leaders of tomorrow, back at you for season three.
1: There's no denying that the last two to three years have been tough, and news cycles continue to report on the doom and gloom happening at home and abroad. And today, we want to take a breather from that and reflect on something more positive, joy.
0: But what is joy? Joy is energy.
1: Joy is resistance.
2: Joy is being in your mojo.
0: Let's learn
1: together on season three of Build to Lead. Getting back to Joy.
0: Welcome listeners to Build to Lead Season 3, Episode 6, Positive Emotion and Joy Part 1. I'm Matthew.
1: And I'm Ubin.
0: And today we're going to be diving into joy as it pertains to positive emotion.
1: By this point in the season, you know the drill. First, we're going to go back to Melissa Madison and Mikey Newhouse scientific explanation as seen in positive psychology. Positive emotion is probably the most intuitive component of joy, but it's so much more than just happiness. It's feelings of hope, interest, compassion, amusement, and gratitude. Integration of positive emotion into routine helps to fuel good habits and promote resilience. And it is through these good habits and resilience development that positive emotions ultimately help to drive joy and well-being.
0: In these two episodes, we've done something we've never done before on Built to Lead, and we decided to bring in a different perspective than the traditional leader in the health system. Ron Beleno is our guest, and when you hear his infectious energy, you'll immediately understand why we had to have him as our guest around our discussion on positive emotions. Ron has an incredible diverse background and is quite a leader in his own right. But specifically, he's a leader with a deep perspective of leading as a caregiver and patient advocate outside of a hospital and community care setting. The caregiver voice is also something that we in healthcare can always stand to hear more of. Ron was a caregiver to his father who lived with dementia for over a decade. The positivity he exudes exemplifies what Madison and Newhouse describe when they say that positive emotion leads to resilience that in turn leads to joy.
1: But enough of us telling you about him. Let's listen in to our conversation with Ron. Today we have the joy, built to lead as the host Matthew and I have the joy, of being joined by one of the most positive forces of nature, That is part of our healthcare system today. Ron Beleno is an active advocate for dementia, caregiving, aging, and research communities. As a caregiver to his father who lived with Alzheimer's for 10 plus years to age in place at home until January 2018, Ron utilized technology, community, creative strategies, and access to research to support his family's life to live well and as as best as possible. He advises and is a keynote speaker internationally on various themes related to dementia, innovation, healthcare, patient engagement, and caregiver advocacy. Ron is also involved with numerous groups and committees such as AgeWell, where he is the co-chair for the Older Adult and Caregiver Advisory Committee, and where he is the recipient of their Honorary Fellows Award. When it comes to patient engagement, He is also a mentor in residence representing the Caregiver and Patient Voice with the University of Toronto's Temurty Faculty of Medicine for the Master's Translational Research Program. He is on the Executive Board with the Ontario SPORE Support Unit. And Ron is also a coach with Healthcare Excellence Canada for a few different portfolios such as shaping the future of care closer to home for older adults. Further in his past, Ron has a background in computer sciences, space and communication sciences, marine aquaculture, life coach, and culinary arts. He was the founder and executive director of a youth career and employment center that served over 30,000 young people, immigrants, and career changers in the Toronto area. (sighs) You are
2: a force to be reckoned with, Ron. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mobeen, and pleasure to meet uh, the team here. You and Matthew as well. So thanks for reading that. I think we're done pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, sorry, yeah, I got to shorten that there, but yeah, no, that's some of the stuff it's, that I've it's done. It's such a
1: beautiful reflection of the amount of impact that you've had in our communities, uh, in our healthcare system, or should I say, systems. And it's it's an absolute pleasure. I think something that really stands out to me just by reading off the bio is the the aspects of computer sciences, speech, communication science marine aquaculture. I think we can make an entire podcast episode just on that. Life coaching and culinary arts. And I would love to get some recipes off of your finest work later after this podcast. But the first question that I have for you, Ron, as soon as we start this podcast is
2: what brings you joy? So the question, what brings me joy? Many things. Okay. There are many things in life, those little moments, but the big one for me there is simply the relationships that I have, the relationships, uh, just like this relationship right here, getting to know, you know, the team, the the built to lead podcast team. This is not going to be the last time I'm going to hang out with you guys. I'm pretty confident of that. But that, that joy for me is really when I see people in their lives, including myself, moving forward, moving forward in a direction That we each want to move forward in. It's not my, you know, my choice to kind of say, okay, you should be happy going this direction or not. But it's simply about just, are you moving forward doing something what you want or getting hopefully closer to something you want and further away from what you don't want? That's simply what it is for me is that people are in some kind of forward motion and that maybe I'm part of that, you know, journey. Maybe I'm not, but I just love hearing the stories of that. So that's what brings me joy. And I think we're going to be talking a lot about this. You no, know, you know, there's that other end. It's not just about joy. Yeah, that's, that's a simple answer.
1: No, I love that. And I think there, there comes a point in our lives where we would call it the discovery phase, um, where we discover what our joys are and we can actually call them out. Um, and so my follow-up question to, to, your, to your first uh, answer is kind of what's the story behind when you first discovered that it was relationships
2: that brought you joy? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to reframe that question or even that answer is that I'm not done discovering, (laughs) right? This I've chosen consciously that this is going to be part of the rest of my life. Okay. Until, okay. We're talking about healthcare here. So, uh, until end of life, hopefully, when did I discover that I, you know, everyone discovers, you know, those, those moments in life that you kind of say, okay, I'm going to take that with me Or, or you might not, but, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure I was fortunate back in my grade school that I had a very diverse community. That uh I grew up in Toronto, uh, specifically Scarborough. Uh shout out to all those people listening in from Scarborough East End. Bobine, I think you're I don't know if you're from Scarborough, but I have a feeling you I, have I'm a not. Connection
1: to Scarborough. I have a connection. I studied at the University of Toronto Scarborough. So I spent 4 years there.
2: Oh, it was a good time. Okay, good so time. we got <laughs> we got some people here from Scarborough, but Scarborough, yeah, it's one of those where very diverse uh community uh and again, it was one of those where I, I really believe that uh, I just kind of got excited to, this, to say, OK, you're a different skin color than me. You have a different you know, opinion. And uh, I think I was just being an only child was just always open to making friends and saying, OK, tell me, teach me what you're doing or I'll just figure out when it comes to food, what are you eating? You know, so it's one of those where that discovery of what are people into, you know, what is it that they striving for especially when it came to another stage in my life when i used to run that youth center Thirty thousand people came through that center of course i didn't talk to all of them but i got to see how people made choices in their life especially young people from elementary school high school up to phd grads and it's one where you get to see okay why are they making those choices and some of them even had other people making choices for them usually it's the parent Hopefully for the better, but sometimes that just wasn't, uh, uh, you know. I would say, you know what, your son may not be the best person. You know, he doesn't seem like a university kind of student. He loves to to be in the skill trades. You know, so why are you pushing him to go into the university? Still, in education wherever you go. It's just one of those. That's where I got to kind of see, okay, and experience, okay, how people live their lives and make choices. So that was a big deal. So different phases, and I'm sure I'm even doing that even now. Okay, I do a lot of work with older adults okay uh you know the uh aging population and you kind of see uh what they're doing so so just to to wrap that qu- this question up there Mobeen, for me it has to do one of the things i do all the time is i make sure i surround myself with different generations i don't just hang out with one generation which happens to be whatever my age is but i'm always trying to hang out with different generations to to just remind myself you know okay this is how we move forward in life
0: yeah, Ron, I love how you just brought that up in terms of that, that journey and discovery, um, even just talking about having people of different relationships of different, um, let's say, generation or different age. Because one thing I remember too, even working, I used to work at Lifeline. So I used to speak with a lot of elderly people. And one thing that this elderly person used to tell me is that she always made sure to say, have a young friend, because your friends might, you might be the last one. So having that young friend keeps you vibrant, as you talked about, life is about those relationships. So that's what brings you joy. So having those relationships throughout those phases of your life and even just thinking about your relationship with your father before you even became an advocate uh, for dementia patients and then just improving their health. So I know as a caregiver uh, for your father, that's probably something that was a challenge. That's definitely something that's very noble. So anyone that is a caregiver, that's something that's um, pretty much a sacrifice that you have to do. So it can be hard to maintain that positivity uh, while you're doing that. So. It'll be good to kind of see your point of view of how do you remain positive? Because even maybe even thinking back to some of your keynotes, um, I do remember one thing that you said at the onset of your presentation is that the caregivers need to take time for themselves to make sure that they're good. So I don't want to assume that's your answer, but if you can just talk to us about how did you maintain that positivity outlook in light of these challenges? Yeah.
2: No, uh so Matthew, this is a huge question, especially for those who are caregivers. Caregiving sometimes has this stigma that it's tough, and, and it is. No, I'm not going to deny that there. But it is one where it's actually a space in someone's life where you do a lot of growth and learning if you actually accept that. If you actually understand how to uh, to take on the challenges of caregiving. So to me, just by definition, caregiving, okay, and there's many words. And thanks, Matthew, for listening to one of my keynotes. I appreciate that there. Uh, it is one where, uh, the key word for me is care. Okay. People have different labels. Okay. Uh, that's maybe a conversation for another day, or I might bring that up today, but you know, they might call themselves a caregiver, a care partner. There's caretakers. So it's kind of funny. A caregiver and a caretaker, giver taker, opposite, but there could be defined the same thing. But so just the word care, caregiving is someone who cares for someone else. Okay. That ability that there's another person, another, another human being on this planet that you're providing some care towards. And if that person wasn't dealing with any challenges in their life, so my dad, Dad Ray, who lived uh, with a diagnosis from twenty sorry 2007 to 2018, my dad wasn't defined that he's a person just with Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, I, st- I use that in this space when I present because that's the audience I speak to, but my dad was more than just the last 10, 11 years of his life with that. So I've always looked at, you know, how do you look at joy? How do you look at remaining positive? For me, a lot of it has to do with how you handle the challenges. If my dad didn't have any challenges, uh, if he didn't go missing, okay, someone with dementia that goes missing. And by the way, Matthew, you guys are going to realize I always do my homework of who I'm going to hang out with. And if you worked at Philips, I know you did some work around GPS devices and all that stuff. So that is my space as well, Matthew. You and I should have connected back then as well, but I do a lot of work with people that go missing and innovation, GPS devices and technologies. So a good example, and I might use this throughout today's talk. Uh, one challenge: Dad went missing, and I actually got scared after the fifth time. We needed the police, and it's how you handle it. Okay, and it's one of those where, to me, I failed. Okay, there's three, four, five times where I realized on the fifth time, hey, we failed. My dad never made it home and we needed help and the police, and he may not have made it home. And uh, just to throw it out, I, I do know a lot of families. It's it's a space that I work in um, that the person actually didn't make it home alive or some of them are still missing. So that's just one thing that I wanted to share in this space, but it's, what do I do with that? Okay, you know, every time you fail, it's I always say this, uh, it's something I, I created years ago. It's an opportunity, never waste a failure, okay? And it's uh, an opportunity to find another important lesson. Whenever I fail, we failed. And then I had to go find other solutions. And that for me, is maybe not saying positive is, and I don't want to equate positive as just being happy. People might equate those words. But for me, positive means that I'm moving forward. Okay, that's how I usually look at being positive, moving forward in the direction that I want to be in. I wanted my dad to still go out to still, I didn't, Personally, people make different choices. You know, I didn't want to lock him up at home. Uh, so I wanted to make sure he had some solutions to go out there, whether that's a high-tech solution of a GPS, a low-tech, okay, meaning post-it note signs. That could be even the community, which I got the neighbors. I got the coffee shop, uh, the restaurant where he'd go to, the church. They all knew who I trusted that, okay, this is Ron's dad. Let's increase the safety net for Ron and his dad. And for me, that was joy. Okay, that was joy that I could still move forward, even though we were living with some challenges. So that's just one example there,
0: Matthew. No, I think that's good in terms of like, say, either you're a caregiver, if you're a care partner, even that caretaker. And you talked about that safety net. So that relationships that you talked about before is what kind of helps you build that web of relationships. So even as a caregiver, how do you um, try to inspire that positive thinking, whether it's your father, whether it's somebody that you're caring for, for the individual that's getting cared for? How do we inspire positive thinking? Yeah. So coming back to the caregiver piece, you
2: are an individual as well. And as you said, uh, in the previous question there, Matthew, that I need to address is you also have to take care of yourself first and foremost. But of course, a caregiver many times will sacrifice, uh, something in their life. They'll give their time. Okay. They'll give their energy. They'll give, you know, could be financial. They'll, they'll give whatever it is to someone else, but then they, Equated sometimes in sacrificing themselves or losing themselves. And I kind of use the example of the Superman and Wonder Woman issue, you know, where someone sometimes caregiving starts off, you don't even realize how it grows on you, where, okay, I'm just helping out, okay, or I'm the son, okay, or I'm the daughter, I'm the husband, wife, partner, the grandchild. And then eventually you start realizing, okay, I'm taking my dad to his appointment. Oh, geez, I have to kind of cancel something, you know, a meeting or I can't go to this or that. So that grows and then eventually some become Superman or One Woman thinking that they could do it all and then they're going to crash, you know, and I come back to again relationships where that's a big deal for me. I crashed and burned, so I have no problem showing the vulnerabilities that I had, but I had to learn from them and it was one where you crash and burn and then eventually if you're brave enough, I'm going to challenge people, caregivers out there to be brave enough to, to share with others, hey, I need help. I need support. I can't just be Superman by myself. And I will always say, even superheroes create a team of superheroes. So, for example, for those that follow DC, you know, there's Marvel and DC, but Superman and Wonder Woman are on the DC side. Even, you know, Superman and Wonder Wonder Woman created the team, the Justice League. Superheroes even get other superheroes. And that's kind of a key there that I'm going to throw out there, Matthew. Uh, Just one other point here is that I'm going to say, where I also learned is, like, go back to, like, the list of my experiences in the past. I tell people never forget what you've done growing up. You may not even realize the lessons you get from it. So years ago I was a lifeguard. Okay, so I add that to my list as well. I, you know, I enjoyed being a lifeguard. My little joke, you know, I I kind of got inspired by that documentary, I think. It was uh that t- documentary series called Baywatch. So it was just one of I think it was a documentary, maybe it wasn't, you know, people. But anyways, uh I became a lifeguard but a one of the successes of a good lifeguard that people will say a good lifeguard at the end of the day is a dry lifeguard. So a lifeguard that's not wet and messy. If you got wet and messy, something didn't go well that day. Probably you had to jump in the pool. I've always said as a lifeguard, okay, you know, you're of no use if you're going to drown with the person you're trying to save, but can you use other tools? Okay. You would call of course for backup, you know, before you jump in the water or, You'll have tools you'll have a flutter board a rope something else okay you'll have a team with you and you'll have a higher success so that's again just i want to throw it it's not just about other people but it's also how do you utilize tools and other solutions along the way to make sure you're not just superman and wonder woman batman you know batman pretty much is i don't even know if he's a superhero technically he's just a rich guy (laughs) okay that has all the tools to his disposal how can we do that in healthcare? The tools are there. Okay. There's a lot of solutions. It's just a question. How do we make it accessible, equitable, you know, that everyone can access? And uh, yeah, so that's just a few responses here, Matthew. No, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's
1: only been like 17, 18 minutes and you dropped so many, so many uh, pearls uh, for all of us to pick up. So thank you so much. I think some things that really stood out to me while you were sharing that last piece was the, the piece of self-reflection, right? Going back into your history of stories and, and the lessons that you learned, how do you apply them in the future? How do you apply them into different scenarios? Um, it acts as a tool. It's a hot take you gave there about Batman, but we'll <laughs> run with it. But uh, no, but you're right in the sense that, you know, he has a bunch of tools that he uses, the Batmobile, the spiky things he throws, um, whether mm-hmm. it be, right? So he has these tools that he has and he uses at the right time. And so it's all about visiting those tools and and creating that toolkit that you can use in present time. Um, To to help guide our listeners and provide kind of actionable tips and and kind of also guide our conversation forward around positive emotions, we have been framing discussions around different articles. Um, So today we wanted to tackle an interesting one around self-reflection, motivation, and exhaustion, and how we can tie it all together to find our own understanding and around the notion of emoting positivity through leadership. So for listeners, uh, you can find the link to the full articles in, the, in our episode description, but don't worry, we'll try to summarize as we go with Ron. Uh, today's articles are called Why You Should Make Time for Self Reflection and How Self Reflection Can Help Leaders Stay Motivated.
0: Yes, and Mobin alluded to it already, and so have you, Ron, in terms of self reflection. And that's really one of the first keys to that positive emotion. So, really, the first article that was published in the Harvard Business Review talked about self-reflecting on positive aspects of the job can actually reverse energy depletion and actually increase um, engagement. So even going so far as maybe designing a simple intervention of maybe writing down three positive things that you like about yourself as a leader before you actually start that day as a self-reflection exercise. So Ron, you seem like a pretty positive person. So has self-reflection played a role in maintaining your positivity?
2: Yeah, the easy answer there is yes. Now, was I conscious about it many years ago? No. Uh, But there came a point where I became very conscious and now it's become a habit, a routine. So I'm not even conscious that I might even be doing some self-reflection. I really believe for everybody, if you really want to get good at this, you do make it a habit. Okay, You do make it part of your routine. Sometimes I even schedule it in my day. I actually, if I can, I always try to get some early morning winds or whatever time I might wake up, depending on what time of the season it is. So it's simply about not just talking to yourself and putting a sticker. You're the greatest, Ron. That could work for some people. Okay. You need to be reminded. What are your triggers? That's what I've told people. What are the triggers that will remind you, okay, that you're valuable, that you're worthy, that you're more important than you even realize you're more powerful than you even realize. And it's one where, I would start the morning so morning you could start with the morning routine and it could be just something like what is that mantra that you say to yourself you know depending on the day i might say okay today i'm going to kick some ass okay or today i'm just going to relax but it is one where i try to do it maybe three times a day three is kind of a magic number for me i i would even have let's say a vision board so i was a i'm a big believer in vision boards as well But even on my phone, now I don't have it on my phone right now or even on my smartwatch, but sometimes I would put specific photos that would remind me. Okay, so I have photos, let's say, of my dad, of some dear friends, okay, of some friends that are succeeding and some that are having challenges in their life. And that would pop up just to remind me, okay, all the stuff that I do in my life, all the work, all the fun, you know, in the end, for me, as I said earlier, it's important. The relationships is this connecting myself to that person to maybe the pain points that they're having. And, and I get excited when I can try and maybe help move something forward for them. So yeah, self-reflection is huge. Uh, you do it verbally, okay? You could do it with triggers just to remind yourself. You get to a point where if you're doing it properly, in my opinion, it becomes a
0: natural habit. And just to add to that, um, cause Ron, I know that you're a coach. Um, so I'm just wondering if you coach Scotty Barnes <laughs> here. There, cause I heard that he had a screenshot, pretty much a screenshot says he's gonna be the best player on the court during practice going to win rick of the year so he would see that all the time so if you're if you were his coach then i'm gonna have to ask
2: yeah you. sure although i'm pretty sure uh what scotty Bart. yeah kind of disappointed with the raptors and the toronto maple Leafs. you know i know the vision is a stanley cup for the toronto maple Leafs. i don't think we have to target the, the stanley cup i think we just need the number two second round is the, the vision just to get to the second round we'd be celebrating like you know that's a game for those listening who are connected to toronto but yeah the visual okay but also auditory Okay, I'm going to say bring in all the senses. What is that sound that will get you either calm, relax, or getting, giving you that energy? So I would always tell, ask people, what, what do you listen to when you're doing some work? Or what do you listen to at nighttime? Or what do you watch? Okay, What do you feed yourself through the senses? Not judging whatever people watch. They could watch whatever they want, but it does feed you. Okay, And that could create either that positive or possibly something that isn't positive. I'm not the biggest fan of the words positive and negative, but I get it. There are times where I bring it up.
1: No, I love that. And I think something that you just mentioned that stood out to me is is you talking about the senses, right? And, and you feeding yourself with the different kind of forms of self-reflection. Self-reflection is not only a singular kind of binary way of doing things, there's multiple ways. And I think the article talked about this three good things approach, which is which is not uncommon to other techniques that we hear about, like smiling yourself at the mirror sometimes. or kind of reciting self-affirmations. And so the next question that I have for you, and maybe you can share some things that worked for you as a caregiver as a patient advocate, kind of going through sometimes, you know, the healthcare system, which can be impactful in, in a not in a not so positive way. What techniques did you use or suggest to others to help guide that positive reflection of
2: moving forward? So I did hint to one already, but I really be, believe one, so I'm going to throw out like three here. So one is schedule time for yourself actually put it in your calendar okay now if you're not a person that does things with calendars well then i'll even go backwards and you know schedule schedule yourself okay and and one of the the things i've thrown to people is schedule based on time frames as well look forward is kind of the phrase i've told people is you should always look forward to three things in the future we can't look forward in the past we can interpret the past we can look at different meanings we can reframe the past people are anchored in the past or sometimes you let go of things, but I'm more interested in the now and what's coming up. And one of the suggestions I've told people is saying, look forward to three things, but th- at three different time frames, specifically short term, medium term, and long term. It kind of gives you a little bit of a purpose. It's something you can maybe get excited about. And it's for you to figure out what that is. It's like it's some people say it's to do a trip, you know, uh, that could be a trip to another country. Some might mean I can't wait to go just have my own time so I could go to the coffee shop and have a coffee by myself. Whatever that is, short-term, medium, long-term. Short-term could be in the next week. Medium for me would be the next month. And long-term could be months or even a year later. Now, as I say that, chances are I'm not going to get all of that. I might have had all those three and maybe I might not even get any of those three or I might get one. But just even having that noted down in a calendar, or something that someone's holding you accountable, saying, hey, we're going to hang out at this time, asking someone else to help you schedule that. keeps gives you a higher chance of success in making that happen. So that's actually one that I, I would say. So schedule your time with yourself. Uh, number two, it's kind of an obvious one for, you know, I would say you have to do some of the activities that actually let you de-stress, okay? That's the physical, feeding the body in different ways of physical walk. could be the basic walk you know, going up and down the stairs, whatever that may be. Uh, the The mental side of things, which people always forget, finding that quiet time with peace or having someone that you can vent out to and share just to kind of like not let it sit there. So that would be the basics of taking physical and mental care of yourself. And then let's see, a third one for me would be actually celebrate. Find ways to celebrate the smallest victories, no matter what. No. Give yourself a high five, pat yourself on the back, go treat yourself, you know, to something that could be a treat, you know, just we say, hey, I got through that week. I think I deserve this little treat or whatever that may be. So those are just a few, but I probably have a list of a dozen, but I'll stop there for now.
1: <laughs> I absolutely love all of these three suggestions. I think one that I'm going to try to practice more is celebrate. Um, I think when we think of celebrations, we think of these momentous occasions like graduations and weddings and promotions. And but we we, we and I think we don't celebrate enough, Ron. Hmm. Like, I don't I don't think we celebrate enough.
2: Yeah, I do want to just add to that. moment. Yeah, that's a great point. So may, many people think that and again, everyone, I just want to remind everyone, this is Ron's opinion here. But one of the things for me is the celebrations that. People think that sometimes joy is that destination. I got my degree. I got married or I, you know, it's whatever. That's part of it. But we spend more of our time on the journey piece. You know, they, you know, that phrase, you know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Yeah. That's really kind of what I'm saying here. But I actually say, hey, it's not just the journey, but it's to really respect that journey. Okay. Those little moments that that's where, for me, is where the joy happens. That, that moment of that one day or that one event is so short. I'd rather have smaller wins that goes, that's sustainable than just have that one day. That's me personally. I think it's about how do we get through life from birth till end of life, till death? And can we have a little more wins or successes uh, more than uh, the failures? Okay, But we are going to have those failures as well. I'd be curious later what you guys will consider a success and how you guys treat yourselves. Okay, one day I just like a list, how do you celebrate, you know, when you, uh, you know, just finish an assignment? So those are some of the things I'd be curious about in the future. No,
1: no, I absolutely love that. You know, and you know, there was one thing that really stood out to me when you were talking that I could really relate with, um, and it was during the pandemic, um, it was really hard to think about the future, uh, because there was so much uncertainty. And, you know, when you took something on, it was hard for you to think long term. And so something that I, I learned during the pandemic that I started to apply and I still apply to this date is this notion of taking it one day at a time, where kind of if you have 24 hours in a day, how are you using those 24 hours and how are you using it to the best of your ability? And if you look at it from that perspective, what you're doing is you're, you're kind of taking those little moments that you're, you're in the 24 hours and when you try to make the most of it most of the time a lot of the time rather for me at least it's those moments of celebration where wow i went on a run i feel good right now or like wow i took 25 minutes to read a book that i was waiting to read in the future but i don't know what's gonna happen so might as well take it out now and do the most and and read that book and so i really appreciate you saying that because it is something that's come up for me at least during the pandemic which i'm trying to apply now I'm honestly grinning listening to that interview again, Matthew. Ron is so infectiously positive. His tips about how to get better at self reflection were really clutch too. Just to recap, those three tips were number one, scheduling time to reflect with the intent of looking forward in the short term, medium term, and long term. Number two, to do activities that let you de stress, being mindful of what you are feeding all of the senses into your body. And number three, and this is, I think, the most important one, don't forget to celebrate.
0: Yep, we definitely can't forget to celebrate. And his perspectives on how caregivers can find and foster joy is something that's important for us to take note of. Ron gave us a great foundation for building intentionality and reflection into our routines in a way that inspires emotion. But sometimes even just making the time or getting over those mental hurdles can be the hardest part. And that's something we're going to focus on in next week's episode.
1: We're also going to talk about the importance of hobbies in positive emotion. And we learn some very interesting things about our guest and his diverse array of hobbies and interests. But you'll have to wait until next week to hear that, listeners. Again, unless you're binging the series, which is the beauty of the medium. And in that case, lucky you, because you don't have to wait. Until then, we wish you a smile, a laugh, and joy.
0: Thank you for joining us on Built to Lead, Season 3, Getting Back to Joy. Built to Lead is created and hosted by Matthew Goldburn
1: and co-hosted by Mubin Lalani.
0: Built to Lead is a companion podcast to the Vernissage Health Dialogue Series at the Institute of Health Policy, Management, and Evaluation at the University of Toronto.
1: Tell us what you thought about this week's episode. You can find us on LinkedIn at Vernissage Health and on Instagram at Vernissage Health. You'll find both of these in the episode description. Today's episode was produced by
2: Hannah Hodgins
1: and Tony DeShenza
0: with music composed by Sindhu.
1: Special thanks to Wendy Nelson, Senior Fellow at the Institute for Health Policy Management and Evaluation.